Obesity is a risk factor for cancer, cardiovascular disease, and Alzheimer almost disappears compared to 30 years of aging. And that's why, yeah, I know the mentality uh, is about weight, but the weight is just, uh, in fact, a minor component in the, compared to, to the power of aging. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective on important societal issues. Produced by Soapbox Media. The world needs evidence-based public policy now more than ever. Making the right decisions should not be partisan politics. Please help spread the rational view by going to patron.podbean.com slash the rational view. Together, we can make a better future. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. In this episode, I'm continuing my investigations into the science of nutrition and health. Today, I'm looking at the effect that diet has on longevity. We know that eating poorly can kill you in any number of ways, but is there a fountain of youth out there? Can we extend our lifetime, our lifespans, merely by choosing the right foods. My guest today will have something to say on the topic. I hope you enjoy uh, the interview. If you like what you're hearing, please press like on your podcast app. It really helps the ratings if you can do that. And if you're interested to to learn more, to chat and have more in-depth conversations, I urge you to come and visit us on the Rational View Facebook group and post your questions and I'll try to answer them. Dr. Walter Longo has 30 years of experience in the field of longevity and healthy eating. He's the director of the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California, Leonard Davis School of Gerontology, Los Angeles, and the director of the Longevity and Cancer Program at the Italian Foundation for Cancer Research Institute of Molecular Oncology in Milan, Italy. He's the author of the bestseller, The Longevity Diet, and the two Italian books, now uh, forgive my pronunciation here, Alla Tavola della Longevita, At the Table of Longevity, and La Longevita Inizia da Bambini, Longevity Begins in Childhood. That's pretty good. Professor, yeah. oh, thank you. Professor Longo is also the scientific director of the Create Cures Foundation and the Walter Longo Foundation. In 2018, Time magazine named Professor Longo as one of the 50 most influential people in healthcare for his research on fasting mimicking diets as a way to improve health and prevent diseases. Dr. Longo, welcome to The Rational View. Well, thanks uh, for having me. So could you tell us a little bit about your background? I read somewhere online that you actually came to the United States to become a rock star. How did you end up as an expert on longevity? Yes, so I came to uh, to, to play uh, rock guitar, and um, but then I ended up studying uh, jazz guitar at the University of, of North Texas. Was uh, one of the leading uh, jazz program in the United States in, in uh, near Dallas. Okay. And then uh, they asked me to direct the marching band, and uh, and I said, "There is no way I'm directing marching band." And it was on uh, <laughs> the second year of the uh, of my uh, music program. And then uh, I immediately thought, I got to study aging. Uh, and then I, I thought, well, you know, chemistry and biology must be good uh, 
um, you know, fields to, to learn uh, to study aging. And so I enrolled in the biochemistry program uh, to the surprise of the, the chairman of the department who said, you know, yeah, you're a music student and you want to study <laughs> biochemistry of aging. Uh, That's a big and ne- difference. And never having, yeah, never having taken um, a, a class in, in biology. Wow. Wow. So we have a, a particular band director to thank for your, your current work. <laughs> so uh, you've been obviously studying longevity for a long time. You've become an expert. You're a director of several uh, important uh, research groups. What do we know now about the causes of aging? What have we learned about what causes aging and, and you know, and, and how, why we believe we can um, back it up or, or reverse it. Yeah. So for the longest time, um, it was just a lot. I mean, I, I think for thousands of years, right? There was a lot of speculation of why we age. And, and then eventually in the 1990s, I think a, a, a group of mostly people in the United States, including my own lab and uh, my own work at UCLA and then at USC, identify genes that control the aging process. Like, what does it mean? We went to a simple organism. Some people went to the worms, uh, to the fruit flies. Some people went to, in my case, yeast, a unicellular organism. And then we did a lot of genetic work and just asked the question, can I make this organism live longer? And uh, and what is the gene that allows the organism to live longer, right? So we did that in yeast and and uh, identified two pathways. One we call the sugar pathway, one we call the, the protein pathway, the amino acid pathway. And, and that we could make the yeast live five times longer, 500% increase in, in lifespan. And then if we starve them, we make them live 10 times longer, right? So then uh, that, that sort of began to underscore the, the importance of nutrition. And because all the genes that were making the, the simple organism live a lot longer had to do with, with food and with, uh, you know, what we call nutrient signaling pathways. And the same was true for worms, Cynthia Canyon, Tom Johnson, and others were working on that, and fruit flies, Mark Taylor, and, and Linda Partridge, and others uh, uh, showing the same. And then Andre Barkey and, uh, and John Kopchik doing the same in mice. And so everything converged in this, okay, these nutrient signaling pro-growth pathways seem to accelerate the aging process. And, and this is very consistent. And then eventually we did the work in humans in Ecuador and confirming that this was probably from yeast to all the way to, to, to people. And so, yeah, so I think that was some of the proof. I mean, of course, the ideas were there for a long time, but the, the proof was like, okay, I mutate this gene and then the, all these organisms live longer and healthier, by the way. Why on earth would there be such a, a heavily conserved gene that creates aging and kills us sooner. Yeah, killing us sooner, it's something <laughs> that I argued and everybody to this day is against me for this, right? So I argued altruistic death, right? And, and the existence of altruistic death in simple organism. I didn't argue that men have that, but I said it's clearly there in nature. So that's a different story, right? So most people disagree with that. And I, 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 I think it's a possibility, but everybody else doesn't think that. The, instead, I think that uh, the idea would be that there are different modality, right? So let's say that, you know, uh, the body can switch to, let's say, an hibernation mode, right? And this, in this hibernation mode, 
you could live a lot longer. And this was probably an evolved process, right? That make you mm. age more slowly under certain conditions, right? So, you know, a mouse lives for two years, a, a, a person lives for 80, 85 years. No, that's a 44 fold or whatever difference. You know, how do we uh, develop that? And so, um, you know, is it possible that in fact the mouse has a modality in which they can live for four years? And we just sort of tapped into it, right? So we, we, mm. we found the genetic uh, mutations that can switch the mice into this longer lived modality uh, and not so much uh, get rid of a killing gene uh, that um, there was there to make him uh, live longer. Is it, is it possible that these genes are associated with, with some uh, significant benefit to the organism? Say, uh, you say that they're associated with food, and, and uh, so maybe it's a metabolism link thing that makes you more energetic, but because you're more energetic, you, you break down faster? Is, is that something that people would believe? Or even more fundamental than that, right? It's uh, growth and reproduction, right? So, so you're trading off something that historically is at the very center of evolution, and so and so the force of natural selection will be extremely high to make you grow to a normal size and to make you highly reproductive. So, evolution doesn't really care about the soma, the disposable soma, let's say. And so we are, we're just a carrier of the genetic material. And so, yeah, there is, uh, if the modality of making you grow fast and reproduce fast works, then leave it alone because that's much more flexible. They can adjust to COVID. They can adjust to almost everything out there. But if that's not available, you're starving, you don't have enough, uh, um, you know, nutrients to grow and reproduce, then there is no choice but stand by try to live as long as possible, protect the DNA as long as possible, so that when the when the food comes, comes back around, uh, uh, you have that opportunity. I see, that makes sense. So uh, talking about your research on yeast, which you, which you mentioned, uh, I, I read somewhere you said that withholding food completely reprogrammed the yeast. Now, when I heard these words uh, from from online, the words completely reprogrammed in a single-celled organism, I think DNA, but of course we know that DNA itself doesn't change. I, I assume you may be talking here about epigenetics and the and how uh, uh, methylation of the DNA affects the expression of certain genes. Is that, uh, I've heard of that being associated with aging in a lot of other contexts. Is that what you mean when you say that the, the withholding of food completely reprogrammed the yeast? Yes. So it could be uh, epigenetic. It doesn't have to be. You can also be sort of metabolically and, and functionally reprogrammed so that you have, again, so for example, we've always known that yeast have three modality. One is the growth, high growth, high reproduction. Two is called stationary phase. You live a couple of weeks. In, in this eye reproduction mode or eye growth, you live for maybe three or four days. Then you have something called stationary phase and they live for a couple of weeks. Then you have something called the spore state. And in the spore state, they can go two years, right? So it's about a hundredfold difference between the high growth, high reproductive rate. And that's always been around, right? So then, um, yeah, there's probably epigenetic uh, changes, but there is also probably uh, just different or, you know, orders, meaning that 
the nutrients are, are, are sending signals to the cell and the cell can decide which uh, program uh, to enter. And um, uh, yeah, and, and then it's still not quite fully understood how much the, the methylation and acetylation, et cetera, are controlling this. Most likely uh, there is at least some of this is controlled by, uh, by epigenetic changes. So you've been associated with, with uh, fasting as, as kind of your um, research has, has looked into fasting mimicking diets and you've, you've done some work on uh, popularizing particular approaches to, to fasting. Can you explain why fasting has these effects? Why is it good for you? How does it help yeast? How does it help people? Yeah, so fasting, I always say fasting uh, means uh, everything and nothing, uh, meaning that uh, it's very similar to eating, right? So is eating good for you? Uh, um, and uh, yeah, some some forms of eating is good for you. Some forms are very bad for you. Uh, and that's the same for fasting. So, so I think in general, though, fasting is the starvation conditions, as I was saying earlier, whether it was a bacteria, some of my early work was in starving bacteria, then starving people and, and mice with Roy Walford at UCLA, and then starving uh, yeast. And I, I sort of went back, you know, went from bacteria to human and back to, uh, and back to yeast. Uh, um, so the starvation is a fundamental, uh, gives a fundamental order to any organism, which is what I said earlier. You can't grow, you can't reproduce. There is just not enough uh, energy and building blocks to do so. And so stand by. So, yeah, so that's why the really a lot of this work on what's called calorie restriction and calorie restriction is something that's been studied for over 100 years. Right. So what happens to humans or mice uh, if you reduce the calorie about 25 percent below the normal level? Right. And this has been studied for a long time. And and, and there is a lot of uh, a lot of support of this calorie restriction intervention. But its origin probably has to do with starvation, real starvation. So meaning that upon starvation, every organism gets reprogrammed and knows exactly what to do. And it goes into this shielded, uh, highly protected mode and it stands by. Now, we have to tap into that, right, without sacrificing the things that we do want to do. So, for example, most people don't reproduce their entire life, right? So why then are we investing all this energy into reproductive systems and reproductive system function when uh, we use that maybe two or three times in a life if, you know, if we do that. Uh, so then couldn't we divert that energy towards protection and regeneration and rejuvenation and, uh, and away from reproductive systems, right? And just uh, allow them to stand by just like they are in, during starvation, right? So, so these are some of the things that, that starvation uh, triggers and, um, and that's why... Um, you know, but starvation can also kill people uh, if you go long <laughs> enough. And so, so when yes, then yes. then you have to know exactly. This is why we really like this temporary intervention, right? You intervene for a few days and then you go back to normal, right? Is that enough to reset the system? Maybe epigenetically, but not just epigenetically, also uh, with stem cells and with uh, uh, with other uh, changes in the body that can, that last a long time. I see. So, yeah, the intermittent 
fasting of which we've heard so much is is so that you get the the benefits of the cellular changes without the drawbacks of actually starving yourself to death so yeah that was something i was going to ask is you know what yes there are benefits but there are also potential drawbacks do we have you know a good idea that that this is on the whole beneficial to the body or, or is there scientific research that has been done to show that intermittent fasting is is uh healthier than not for example Yes. So uh, intermittent fasting refers to lots of different things, right? And I think some of them have evidence suggesting they're good and some of them have evidence suggesting they're not so good. And so if you look at all the types, I'm a fan of two things. You know, one is what's called time-restricted eating, Sachin Panda and and others have have, have, uh, pioneered this. And so, and I really like this 12 hours a day of fasting, maybe 13 12 to 13 hours. And I think that's where it's starting to show the 13 hours, a lot of effects, right? So if you fast for 13 hours a day, then you get lots of benefits in sleep and metabolism, et cetera, et cetera. So I really like that. As you okay. go longer, then you start having problems with feasibility. I mean, most people don't like that. It interferes with their life. But also you started to see problems. You start seeing gallstone formation increase, gallbladder operation increase, you see the people that skip breakfast, they tend to live shorter. They tend to have more cardiovascular disease, right? So, so you know, and this is meta-analysis. This is, I, I, I rarely talk about one study. I always talk about the general consensus if you look at the data. So the data over yes. and over and over shows that breakfast skippers don't do very well. And the argument is like, oh, breakfast skippers also have poor habits and but we can argue all day, but that doesn't take away the fact that the breakfast skippers don't do so well. So maybe not such a good idea to skip breakfast and do fasting for 16 hours, right? So 12, 13 hours, stick with that. And that's number one. And then number two is, you know, what I, of course, developed in my own lab is fasting mimicking diets. You know, what if, if uh, once every three months or four months, uh, you undergo this five-day fasting period, but you do it with a fasting mimicking diet, a plant-based fasting mimicking diet, and you, you know, you do it for five days, and then you go back to whatever it is that, that you did before. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, of course, that's, that's my favorite. Uh, and why is that? Well, because I think it does a lot of the things that I talked about, the resetting. Uh, clearly, we see in mice very strong epigenetic reprogramming. So we see these Yamanaka factors and all these uh, these uh, embryonic uh, um, markers, developmental markers, turn down, right? So, as the the mouse, but we're we're pretty sure that at some point it has to. It's a very fundamental property of, of systems. So, in the mouse, basically, the mouse organs shrink, and then you see these embryonic factors, these Yamanaka factors, turn down, and then the stem cells stand by, and then when, during the refeeding, these uh, uh, these uh, reprogrammed cells and these stem cells. They go to work and they help this the organ regenerate or partially regenerate. Right? So, and this happens. We've shown in the blood, in the pancreas, in the gut. Uh, uh, you know, we see evidence of that in the nervous system. So, it, it looks like it's happening everywhere. And uh, yeah, so this time the eating and then this periodic fasting mimicking diets. Uh, I think they're because of safety and because of efficacy. Um, they seem to be uh, very, very good. And of course, now we run a lot of clinical trials on the fasting mimicking diet. I think there's probably at least 10 clinical trials that are uh, that have been completed, uh, both on cancer, on normal people, on diabetes, uh, diabetes patients, uh, et cetera. So, 
so yeah, that, that, that's uh, I, I particularly like things that have been clearly tested and shown to be yes. safe. Uh, and, and also the fasting making diet is done, now being done by over a million people that we know of uh, with very, very, very few um, reports of uh, uh, safety uh, concerns. Yeah. Mm. How much fasting do you need to make a difference in your health? Is there some sort of scientific consensus on, you know, we're having some some epigenetic resets going on. How long does that last? How often should you do it? How often is too often? Yeah, first of all, I think the fasting mimicking diet, um, you should do it when you need to do it, right? So, so if somebody is 22, has perfect health, uh, uh, runs uh, 30 miles a week, uh, uh, you know, does a lot of... Uh, weight training, et cetera, et cetera, has a perfect everyday diet, you know, you might need to do it. And, and let's say your BMI, very low BMI, like 20, you probably do it once a year and, and that's it, you know. Now, the, most people in Europe, the United States, you know, we have 50 to 72% of overweight and obesity and lots of other problems, inflammatory, you know, and, 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 yeah, just a poor diet uh, that accelerates aging and, and age-related damage. So yeah, in that case, I think three to four times a year uh, or more. Like, for example, in the diabetes uh, trials, we, we, um, I was part of two diabetes trials done in, in uh, Holland and Germany. And, and in both of them, um, it was done once a month in the diabetes patients, right? So these were overweight or obese diabetes patients. And so they received it either for six months, once a month, or for 12 months, once a month. Uh, now, the, the beauty, they were, for example, able to reduce, they were seven times more likely to reduce drug use uh, if they were on the fasting-making diet than if they were not, right? So, so this was very, very interesting. Both trials indicated the same that uh, yeah, you, you know, if you're, if you're starting from a bad point, uh, baseline, obesity or so overweight and diabetes, now these this, uh, monthly cycles are very important. Yeah, so then the, that's a range, right? So I mean, once a year to once a month, but then that doesn't mean that the diabetic patients are gonna continue with once a month, right? So the idea is that year two, maybe they do it once every two months. In year three, they do it every three or four months, you know? Uh, and then, you know, they, they, they use it to stay in their healthy uh, status, you know? And, and of course, I'm talking about weight now, but aging and the effect on aging is much more powerful than even weight, right? So, so the, the weight is a bonus, let's say, right? The, the, the more important uh, reprogramming uh, or effects are having to do with making the system younger. You know? So I, I've, I've heard um, criticisms about fasting in that, you know, maybe the only effect, the only positive effect is the weight loss. Is it clear that you're getting more than just uh, the health effects of losing weight from these fasting diets? Is there evidence that, that can differentiate these two effects? Yeah, there's a, a ton of a ton of evidence in many different fields, right? So, for example, even in cancer, right? So, you know, and, and uh, you know, of course, there's hundreds of studies in mice, but let's say just talk about clinical trials, right? Um, in the clinical trials, for example, with women with uh, breast cancer, the, uh, there is a threefold increase uh, in the decrease in the non-responders to chemotherapy uh, in the women that are doing the fasting-making diet together with the chemotherapy. Um, so, 
So it's clear, you know, anti-cancer effect. Uh, I mean, of course, we're just starting, but these are randomized clinical trial with 125 people. This, and it's the same for diabetes, right? These um, are, are, are not uh, ideas in, in, in just mouse studies. So we need to do more, of course, but you're starting to see anti-inflammatory effects independent of weight, anti-aging effects independent of weight, anti-cancer effect independent of weight, um, in cognitive effects, independent of weight. So yeah, I just a lot of it's a lot of things that are. In fact, in some cases, we even calculated there was independent of weight. So we can look at we can do correlation studies and say the people that lose more more weight are the ones that benefiting the most. And often we see that that's not the case. Uh, so yeah, uh, probably has to do much more with reprogramming um, and rejuvenating systems than uh, than weight. But weight is important, right? So. I mean, being overweight and, and obese is clearly a factor, so I'm not discounting it. But, uh, um, you know, if, if you look at, I always show one slide and I show cancer, um, cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer. And I show the weight is a risk factor for these, right? And, and it, it's one of the major risk factors. And then I show it against 30 years of aging and it di- almost disappears, right? Obesity is a risk factor for cancer, cardiovascular disease and Alzheimer almost disappears compared to 30 years of aging. And that's why, yeah, I know the mentality uh, is about weight, but weight is just, uh, you know, a component, but in, in fact, a minor component in the, um, compared to, to the, the power of aging. Hmm. So what do you think the impact of, of these fasting diets can be on, on lifespan. You, you, you use, uh, the name prolon for your diet. Uh, and I assume it's means pro promoting longevity or, or is it professor Longo? <laughs> That's a good one. I never heard that. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, all these years, and this is the first time somebody said "pro long," the professor Longo. Yeah, that's that's uh, a good one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I, you know, I I cannot endorse uh, pro, uh, uh, products, you know. So uh, unfortunately, I cannot even talk about that. But uh, yeah, I started a company many years ago. I donate a hundred percent. I don't take money from the company. I donate a hundred percent of the shares. I already started donating to the foundation and research, and I will donate a hundred percent of them. So I don't make a penny out of any of this. But uh, I thought it was important, and I, I thought it was important to. And I got criticized for it, and that's okay. I'm not. I'm not that worried about it. And uh, I thought it was important to, you know, get it out there, get it in the hospitals, get it in, in people's hands and, and, and have it standardized. And why is this? Because every 50 years or so, people get excited about fasting and then some people end up dying or being hurt by it, by doing it improvised and doing it in, in, in wrong ways. And so I thought that if we wanted to, for the first time in history, to make this as part of the toolkit of a physician, but also a toolkit of every household. You know, somebody says, okay, now I want to do something. There's a lot of crazy ideas out there, but there's some that are not crazy ideas and have been tested in many clinical trials, hundreds of, of preclinical studies. And uh, yeah, that's where this, uh, this package, fasting and making diet, come in. And I, I would say the, the, one of the biggest surprises to me was the enthusiasm of uh, my colleagues uh, in initiating clinical studies. So they basically say, hey, it comes in a box. It's, it, they, the company gives it to the hospitals for free. 
So now hospitals and university centers from all over the world say, I would like to do a study on immunotherapy. Can you give it to me? Diabetes, Alzheimer's. Right? So now there's over, I think, 30 clinical trials uh, um, in either ongoing or about to start. Uh, and many of them already finished uh, because of this you know, ability to, to make it more like a medicine. What do you think the, the, the possible effects could be on aging? Do we have any, any um, ideas whether this actually increases potential for human longevity or does it just make people healthier within the same lifespans? Yeah, so I cannot talk about it, but we're going to, the paper is accepted. So it's going to be published pretty soon uh, on biological age. And so we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. But let's just say in mice, um, it, it increases the lifespan, increases health span, reduces tumors, increases cognitive health. Uh, um, so yeah, then the, the uh, possibilities are certainly of uh, a significant, uh, I, I would say the possibility is a major increase in health span. So not necessarily how long you live, but how healthy you live. And, uh, and I would say a significant, a significant increase in lifespan. And I'm saying possibility because it just, you cannot, you can, uh, you know, predict, but you cannot know, right? So nobody's, uh, can do a, a, a longevity study on humans. Uh, you can use these biological clocks and that's what we've been using. Some of them are epigenetic clocks and some of them are blood markers uh, clocks. And so that's what we've been using. It's what we're going to publish on. And uh, but yeah, so far we can just tell you a mouse lives longer with this uh, fasting mimicking diet cycles. Um, and we can also tell you a mouse that had a terrible diet. So we we took mice, we gave them a, a high fat, a high calorie, high sugar diet, and they become become big. And then we take the same mice, the same diet, and once a month for five days we give them the fasting mimicking diet. And uh, they, and the ones on the bad diet, they live a lot shorter. They have high cholesterol. They have, um, you know, uh, heart uh, dysfunction, and uh, and and of course they're obese. Um, and if we give them the one we gave them once a month, the, the fasting making diet, they went back to all the mar- uh, levels of a normal mouse on a normal diet and a fairly healthy diet, right? So that was wow. surprising. And we're not advertising that people should have a bad diet and do then the fasting mimic diet. But say it was very interesting that how powerful it was just once a month, even though 26 days a month or, or whatever, 25 days a month, they will have a, a bad diet. Uh, the five days of a vegan, very healthy fasting mimicking diet were sufficient to reverse almost all the problems that we saw in the bad diet group. Uh, I've read a little bit about um, calorie restrictive diets and people living continuously on these very restricted diets because they've shown in worms, they double the lifespan and, you know, people want to uh, double the lifespan of humans potentially by going on to these very strict calorie reduced or calorie restricted diets. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you'd really want to do that. You, you do want to enjoy your food once in a while. And so the, the idea of um, intermittent fasting, I think, appeals to a lot of people who, who, who want to take advantage of, of the food that's available uh, some of the time or even most of the time. And so it, I think it's good news that, that we're finding that this actually has such health benefits if, if, if that turns out to, to be the case. I think that's a, that's a a great selling feature of this and will make it very popular. Uh, is it 
self are we deceiving ourselves is it is it real i mean there's there's bias potential for bias if it's, if a diet does something we want I mean, you know, this, what I just mentioned for mice, we, uh, you know, we published a, a, a hundred patient clinical trial in, in 2017 um, on people. And, and we saw very much the same, meaning the people that had the worst baseline. So they were high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high fasting glucose. They did by far the best. And many of them returned to their normal level or normal range, right? So now we completed two trials on, on diabetes uh, and, and, and I, the good news is it's not me. It's people that did it independently. And sometimes, for example, in, in at least one of the studies on diabetes, I think they were trying to prove the opposite. I think they were trying to say, let me show you, because you know what they did in Germany? They, it was the, um, the fasting mimicking diet against the uh, Mediterranean diet for five days, right? So I think, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they never told me, but I think part of the hypothesis was like, yeah, let's show that, you know, you can just do any healthy diet for five days a month and it'll be as good as the fasting making diet. And sure enough, it was not, right? So the fasting making diet took down A1C it, and it reduced um, drug use. And uh, uh, it was seven times uh, more than the cycle of a Mediterranean diet, right? So, so yeah, so I think that... Um, uh, there is a lot of clinical trials now, and I just mentioned some, but I think it's, it's many, many uh, that have been carried. As, even the cancer ones, for example, there was one on prostate cancer in Ireland, and that also looked at uh, you know the effects on lots of different markers. And so they're pretty consistent, you know, pretty consistent effects on uh, on all these markers. So I, I would say that the metabolic effects and the the sort of aging effects and aging markers effects are real. They're extremely unlikely to change. Uh, now, you know, we'll keep looking for, let's say, autoimmunities and, and cancer and, and, and Alzheimer. And there's a lot of work. We don't know. We're still early to know, you know, how, how, you know, how much can this go after dysfunctional systems, right? And, you know, so what about a dysfunctional brain? Can it make it younger? How much younger can it make it? You know, can it reduce inflammation? So in mice... Absolutely. We've shown it. We published it. <clears throat> but uh, what about people? So, yeah, there's a lot of work to, to be done, but uh, I think it's uh, it's it's here to stay, um, particularly because we, we've done it the hard way. Let the, the, even the competitors test it. And, hey, if this shows that it doesn't work, uh, okay, well, we'll keep on testing it, maybe improving it and uh, get to, uh, to versions that hopefully are even safer and even more effective, you know? I, I interviewed in, on a previous interview, uh, Dr. Tracy Mann, who runs the, the diet lab, and she was very skeptical of, of just about any diet. She said, you know, diets don't work for weight loss. And I think, I think her statement was mainly assume concerning weight loss. Like in the short term, a diet will reduce your weight, but then your body adapts to the lower calorie intake and forces you back up in weight and you and typically after two years, you gain back all the weight that you lose. What do we know long-term about this uh, intermittent fasting approach? It, can can people keep it up? Does it, does it reduce weight in the long run? Or is it mainly just the health effects that you're looking at? Yeah, so um, I think that historically, if you look at like 50 years ago, uh, when neurobiology started, right? People would say, 
Yeah, this is a crazy field, you know. Why would you study neurobiology? The brain is it's just uh, it's too too difficult to understand this, right? Now, neurobiology is one of the hottest fields, and and of course, we're starting to we know little, but we're starting to know a lot about the brain and how it functions, et cetera, et cetera. The same was true for for food and nutrition, right? It was always like it's a lot, thousands of ingredients. Tens of thousands of genes, right? They they sort of meet each other, and then people say, you know what? It's crazy. You know, don't don't even study that. Why would you study that? Now it's changing, right? Now we're starting to have, you know, multi-omics, you know, metabolomic, uh, genomic, transcriptomic, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have the molecular biology, and then we have so yeah. So I think uh, what people in the old uh, let's say uh, groups. Uh, uh, don't realize that this is changing very rapidly, right? And sure, uh, absolutely. So historically, if you just think you're gonna, you know, starve somebody or reduce calorie restrict them, and then hope that that person is gonna stay there for the rest of their life, good luck, right? Why is that? Well, there's biology there, and now we're starting to understand that biology. So most people that I talk to, I, I speak at medical conference all the time, they're not aware of you know this thrifty mode. What, what does that mean? That the, if you uh, reduce your calorie long enough, then your body goes into a low metabolism mode, right? And if it goes into a low metabolism, and, and why is it going to a low metabolism mode? It because it's trying to regain the muscle mass that they lost, right? It doesn't really care about that fat that much, but it cares about the muscle. So when you when you uh, undergo this restriction, severe restriction, your muscle is reduced, and the body is like, if force is telling your brain eat 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 because I want that muscle back. I want the lean body mass back. So my point is that as we're learning all of this and we can start, so for example, the Mediterranean diet or any diet cause a lot of lean body mass loss, but the fasting mimicking diet does not, right? In fact, the fasting mimicking diet is now we have evidence, even the muscle, and we already published that years ago, evidence for this stem cells being activated, right? And, and so undergoing cycle. So now, not only we don't affect lean body mass, and this is like four trials all, sh- all showing the same, but we may be also pushing the, the stem cells in the muscle to be, to be activated. We don't know yet, but you know, certainly that's, uh, that's what it looks like in multiple systems, at least in the mouse. So yeah, so the point is, yes, the old sort of way, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know, I'm just telling you to eat less. It doesn't work in two years, you if you you're gaining the weight, if you use the the right strategies and you understand the molecular aspects of it, and then also psychology and the team, right? So I, we have four foundation clinics, and we have teams have molecular biologists. Uh, we're starting to introduce psychologists, and, and we have the the dietitian, the nutritionist, and so if you go to somebody and you say eat less, of course they're going to regain weight. If you have a team that follows that person, you have a program and you follow them, we have long, long term uh, efficacy, right? So two years, three years later, they're doing very well. Many of them, they used to have diabetes and they're now off the drugs or hypertension drug. They're off the drugs and they're, you know, they reduce weight, but more importantly, off drugs and, and now uh, healthy, right? So, yeah, so I think that I always say, you know, in the United States or in Europe, it's like, it's like saying, I want children to be educated, but I don't want to build schools and I don't want to pay the teachers, right? So when you look at people's health 
Uh, and forget going to the doctor and getting lots of drugs. That's very expensive and that's working, right? And okay, right? In some cases, you need that. What's absent, completely absent, is the team that is reimbursed and that is there for you to say, hey, I understand you. I understand you're hungry. Let's work with you. I understand you like sugar, whatever it is, right? And that's what our, our, our nutritionists do. And uh, yeah, if you have that kind of support, psychological support, but you also have the method, right? Because you can have all the psychological support in the world. If you don't know that you enter a thrifty mode, you don't know that which amino acids are controlling the, the switch, um, you're going to have a problem because you're still fighting a very, very tough uh, enemy. And uh, yeah, so I think you have to have the, the knowledge, uh, the molecular knowledge, the, the physiology knowledge, but then you have to have the team and that's got to be reimbursed and then it will work and then it will be permanent, right? And, uh, and uh, yeah, very few patients that we follow, um, you know, go go back uh, in, to their original weight. Oh, okay. Well, that that's... Very interesting. Uh, and I would have to talk to, to Dr. Mann again and see if she's uh, reviewed uh, the Prolon diet. Um, in terms of putting your money where your mouth is, what, what is your diet like? How, how do you, um, as the expert on this, what, what do you eat? Do you fast intermittently three or four times a year? Do you have 12-hour fasts every day? What, what, what's, your, what's your recommendation for, for the people that believe in this? Yeah, so I do it all, and I'm not just saying it. I actually do. Uh, so I um, I do 12 hours every day. Uh, so fasting, 12 hours of eating. Uh, I don't eat lunch Monday through Friday. So I have coffee, uh, an American coffee uh, for lunch. And uh, that's my lunch with sugar, by the way. I do put like one little envelope of sugar in it. And I, I always hate it when people like, you know, they sugar became the devil, right? They, it's, and, and that's really a big problem, right? The, 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 um, you know, looking at sugar is the fuel of the human body, right? So, of course, you can make lots of sugar, lots of starches, the devil, fine. But somehow we turn that into the sugar itself now become the devil. So I put one, uh, uh, one uh, teaspoon or whatever of sugar in my coffee. I love it like that. And, um, and that's, absolutely no negative effect. In fact, we argue sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people that complain, you know, I eat some of the soups in our fasting making diet and it spikes my sugar. It, it does not matter. What matters is your um, insulin resistance. Um, so anyways, so I, I put sugar in my, uh, my uh, lunch and uh, my coffee lunch. Um, and then I do, um, a fasting making diet, you know, maybe like once or twice a year, I just find the moments where, you know, I need it for, for whatever reason. Um, it might be, you know, my blood pressure is getting too high or, or, you know, my glucose, uh, fasting glucose are, are, are getting too high. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, it, um, consider that already in my thirties, I, I have familial, uh, uh, hypertension. So a lot of members of my family have hypertension and I had it and just gone and then uh, cholesterol, high cholesterol. And I had it. And, and since then it's been gone. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I follow my own advices. I have a longevity, what I call the longevity diet. We didn't talk about that, but uh, it's, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time putting together, you know, what people that get to a hundred eat and what the mouse studies and what the epidemiological studies. And so, 
put five, what I call five pillars of longevity together and came up with this longevity diet, which is a fish plus vegan diet. And, uh, and so I, I uh, you know, very religiously uh, follow that. And um, yeah, so I have maybe fish, uh, uh, you know, two to three times a week and uh, th- three fish meals, low mercury. Um, and then the rest of it is lots of legumes and um, and uh, lots of vegetables. Uh, yeah, I take maybe a multivitamin every three or four days as I preach in my book. Very interesting. Well, I I, I hope that uh, works out for you and, and for everyone who's listening. Uh, I think that's great advice. Uh, to to follow the the advice of a doctor who's an expert in longevity. So I really appreciate you coming on the show to chat with us. This has been very enlightening. Um, learned a lot, and I might have to try some of this this fasting and see see how it does for myself. Uh, seems like that the evidence is suggesting that this does have benefits, and you know I could probably fast intermittently. I, I don't think I could do a calorie reduced diet all across the board but intermittently i think i could i could maybe do a little wind sprint that that's that that seems doable and um from from what i've read online from people who have tried it you know it, you can get through it <laughs> even if you're not used to it um so thanks for coming on and and chatting oh, with you're us welcome and, you're welcome sharing you. your wisdom with us for, for for spending the time if you'd like i'll send you a, a rational view t-shirt uh so that uh, you yeah can remember. it looks good I, absolutely i was about to ask you yeah you can remember your time with us. So so thank you very much, Dr. Longo. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. If you'd like to follow up with more in-depth discussions, please come find us on Facebook at The Rational View and join our discussion group. If you like what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page at patron.podbean.com slash The Rational View. Thanks for listening.